Whether you're a morning person or a bedtime procrastinator, everyone deserves a mattress that works for their style. And you'll find the best mattress for you at Ashley. The new Temper Adapt Collection at Ashley brings you one-of-a-kind body-conforming technology, making every sleep tailored to be your best. The collection also features cool-to-the-touch covers and motion absorption to help minimize sleep disruptions from partners, pets, or kids. Shop the all-new Temper Adapt Collection at Ashley in-store or online at ashley.com. Ashley, for the love of home. Burke and Brentley back with you on College Golf Talk, and it is the middle of March. Had some pretty big tournaments on the PGA Tour in the state of Florida. We were busy at Bay Hill and the players, but we're dialed in to the college golf scene. And Brentley, it's kind of remarkable. We are in the middle of March. We're a month away from some conference championships. We're six, seven weeks away from regionals. It's I feel like we're sort of snowballing in the right direction. I mean, early uh, in the spring season, we we had some COVID issues. We had some teams that had a drop out. But I feel like, and I'm hopeful, maybe we're we're getting a little bit further away from that and, and a little bit closer to what we're hoping to see. Well, as as you say that, Burko, your Florida Gators had to stay home from the Tiger sure. Invitational, but. I, I've been thinking about this comparison for a little bit because I've been playing Mario Kart a lot on the Nintendo <laughs> Switch, and it kind of feels like we're on like lap two, but there's some red shells that we're trying to dodge, some green shells. I don't know if you if you played that game, but it kind of I did. It wasn't on a Switch; it was on maybe the Wii about a decade ago. But yes, I did enjoy it. <laughs> Nintendo sixty four playing against Nick Taylor. Yeah, no, he's he's in a world uh, world class of his own. Um, but you're right, we're getting there. And, and yes, I, I know my Gators had to sit one out. But it, as a whole, I, I feel like we're seeing less of it. Yeah. And maybe that's a really good spot. Um, you know, March Madness, the bracket was released. We'll have some fun a little bit later in the podcast about that but let's jump right into it the ladies the valspar augusta women's invitational at forest hills and boy did we have a three team race of some low scores with the lady gamecocks rallying late to beat duke by three i mean i want to start at the top i've been bullish on the lady gamecocks all fall all spring and when i was watching live scoring at the players at TPC Sawgrass, I said, geez, it just looks like Duke is, it's not going to be caught. And then lo and behold, uh, you know, South Carolina does it. it. It's let's start with the lady Gamecocks. They're really good. I think they're the best team in the country. I I'm, I'm hard pressed to think there are one or two teams maybe that are, are better. I think there could be a lot in their class, but I don't know if there's any that are better. Yeah, you've been very consistent with that too, Burko. I I definitely admire you staying on that South Carolina bandwagon. And it's it almost seems like every week in the women's game we're getting these tournaments where you're you're looking at the best teams from several different conferences. And this week in particular, it was the best of the ACC against the best of the SEC. And you know, Pauline. Rusin Bouchard, she she wins again. This is, I believe, her third individual victory. When she wins, she wins big. I mean, she won by five shots. 
Uh, she beat one of her teammates, Ana Palaez. Her return this spring's definitely been a boost to South Carolina. But if Pauline's going to go and shoot 15 under, I don't know if there's a team in the country that's going to be able to beat this team. I agree. I mean, got a chance to see her up close at the blessings in the fall and just was sort of in awe watching her play the game of golf, watching her on the range, played well at, at Eastlake uh, in the match play portion. And hey, I know Ingrid Lindblad can play. I know Lynn Grant can play. I just, I think you're splitting hairs. And as you said, I'm going to be consistent. I might ride the Lady Gamecocks all the way to Greyhawk. I think they're that good. Uh, and Pauline certainly leading the way. And then the battle with Duke, we, we've almost forgotten. Now, granted, the ACC didn't play in the fall. Cam Brooks has got a hell of a team again. Yeah, it's, You know, I, Erica Shepard starting to play. He's got some new faces and new names and a familiar name who's back that makes this team, remember, the defending national champs from 22 months ago. I think they're right in the mix. They had a little slow start in the spring. Dan was quoted as saying, we're going to work on it. We're going to get there in the last couple of events. They're, I mean, they're right there. They're, they're one of the best in the, in the land as well. Yeah. I have to eat a little bit of crow because, you know, I looked at this team come in at, coming in to the spring and just a, another very small roster. Um, obviously some, some unproven players, Erica Shepard um, had, had yet to really come into her own uh, on the golf course. And Duke was a team that I thought, maybe a top 10 team in the country, but that was maybe. And they've certainly proved me wrong these last two times. And the event last week, I thought, or I guess maybe a week and a half ago now was more impressive just in that they didn't have Jeremy Boonchant, who's their all American. She decided to stay back in Thailand for almost a whole year. Uh, wasn't comfortable with coming back to the U S finally decided it was time. She actually got back to Raleigh shortly after their last tournament. She returns to the lineup playing out of the number five spot and she goes out and ties for six. So with Boone Chant back in the mix, Shepard didn't have her best tournament. She finished his T28, but Gina Kim, T6, Phoebe Brinker has had a heck of a spring so far, T2. This is a team that, although you and I both really like South Carolina, Duke's a team that could very well get back to that, you know, national championship uh, final match and, you know, maybe go back to back. It's hard to believe that, uh, that they're still the defending national champions. I, I talked to Dan Brooks a week and a half ago after their first win of the spring and he kind of laughed because he hadn't really thought about it. He's like, I didn't really think about that, but now that you say it, uh, I guess we still are <laughs> the team to beat. So, <laughs> but yeah, Duke, uh, Duke is definitely a pleasant surprise. Yeah, and I would have been there with you. A lot of unknowns for me six, eight weeks ago. Hard to argue with the coach that's won seven national championships that he can find a way to get them, you know, to that next level. And, and, and you know, in our pre-pod notes, I mean, the COVID protocols they deal with, hey, we're all being vigilant. We're all being smart. I mean, Duke's almost at, at an entirely different level. Oh, they're, they're testing every day. And, and that includes at tournaments and all of their spring events are, I, I don't know the geography or the, the interstate system very well uh, in the U S but it seems like it's, you know, all within driving distance for sure, maybe three, four hour drives tops. And they have a courier service that comes out and gets their tests every morning and drives them back to school 
to get the results. So this athletic department is, is really uh, doing a very thorough job. And uh, it, it sounds like a lot. And obviously, it's more responsibility uh, for this team than a lot of the other teams in the country. Although I think most athletic departments are doing a good job, uh, but Duke definitely taking it above and beyond. And the the only thing that that concerns me is, you know, this is a, a team whose roster is only six players deep. And we've seen what happens with contact tracing and uh, players testing positive and things like that. So with a small roster, you know, don't be surprised if, uh, you know, a, a team like that has to pull out of an event because they can't field enough players. But, you know, knock on wood, um, if if Duke can can avoid those red shells, as we're talking about, or, you know, green <laughs> shells, uh, they'll they'll get to Greyhawk and uh, they'll uh, be one of the teams to beat. You talk about the interstate. I'm going to go completely off topic. I want to really see how knowledgeable or lack thereof you have only because you said it did you know all the interstates that go east to west west to east are even numbers and all north south south north are odd numbers did you know that no i i I didn't i didn't even think about that i mean obviously we have 75 and 95 here in florida i4 um, are those the only three interstates we have? And then I-10, obviously. I-10. I you can go I-10 all the way to the Pacific Ocean. You can have you ever done I-10. that drive? No, no business doing that. William longest... Mouse done that drive. That's that's a long <laughs> drive. The longest drive was New Jersey to Gainesville, nonstop one day, 1,000 miles, 16 hours. Back I've done in that. Fourth did, in college. I did Long Island to Orlando in, in, in one day. And left like- at 4 a.m. Oof. You like that little nugget, though? You'll no, always I, know. I didn't even think about that. All odd interstates go north to south, east and east to west, or even. Put put that in your back pocket next time. Like yeah, they say, hey, you're, you're going to jump on 84. You might be like, what direction am I going? Well, you'll know it's one of two things. <laughs> Look at that. I don't I'm know where 84 this. is, though. Where's 84? I, 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 I think you can weave all the way from um, – I want to say it's in the Carolinas, Virginia's. It might even sort of go an angle east to west all the way up to uh, maybe all the way up to Michigan, if I'm not mistaken. Wow. But that's just a little little side note for you. Before we wrap, yeah. Before, well, we're, we are taping on a Monday night here, so we're getting a little loose uh, uh, after hours. Uh, before we wrap up the women's uh, event in Augusta, what's going on with Wake Forest? You know, you talk about Duke winning two years ago. Wake was the team that took them to, you know, the final match extra holes last year at this point. I think we all agreed Wake was the favorite to win the national championship or, or certainly on that very, very short list. COVID canceled the championships. They all come back. And I feel like they're just out of sorts. At least the scores and results reflect that. Well, the uh, funny thing was, is I'm checking the golf stat rankings right now, and they're ranked number one in the country. <laughs> Obviously, that that Haskins uh, Augusta Invitational hasn't been factored in, but I will agree they they haven't quite looked like like the world beaters we expected them to be. You you, you look at this lineup with Rachel Keene and uh, Amelia Miliaccio, and even adding Mimi Rhodes to the mix, who is you know blue chip prospect this this team should be beating teams by 10 shots and e- even some of the best teams 
in the country. So I think it's a, a good thing that you have a high bar and that we're just kind of splitting hairs and wondering, you know, why aren't they playing their a plus type of play? But uh, yeah, it's a little bit concerning. And the, the only reason I say that is because Emilia Emiliaccio hasn't looked like the player that she's been for the last couple of years in college golf. I, I don't know if, you know, maybe she's getting a little burnt out or if she's tired or, or, or what, but she just hasn't looked herself and she's going to need to be someone who's playing top 10 individual golf, um, you know, for this team to really be the team that we thought they were. Cause if not, she, yeah, they're, I mean, they're in trouble. She needs to lead them. She yeah. needs to be a veteran. And, and she doesn't, on maybe maybe not lead them, but at least be that consistent, you know, she's top 10, top 15 every single time. And she can't afford to, I mean, I think she was what T24 or something like that. She's, yeah. she's got to be in the top 10 because. Yeah, and, and I mean, almost lead by, it doesn't always have to be the best finisher on the team. Like that's to me, that's sort of the figurehead when, when cup show left, Emilia sort of stepped in and I felt like they didn't miss a beat, but as you said, we're splitting hairs, but we are in the middle of March, you know, we're yeah, four or five weeks away from ACCs. She's a, a great match play player too. So maybe that's, maybe she just needs to get some match play in her, but I, your, your best player on the team. And I, I think that's, I think they're, their leader in terms of kind of being that, that alpha, that number one, you know, that, that confident player, that's probably Rachel Keene. She's, she's more outspoken. Um, you know, she's one of those people that you can kind of follow into battle. And I don't really see that from Amelia other than when she's playing match play. And so, you know, maybe she can flip that switch, but yeah, I mean, she's going to need to do it. And um, yeah. yeah, soon so, she's got to step up. Clover Cup, ASU rallies to beat Arizona, and Lynn Grant, again, finds a way to well, – doesn't find a way. She's really good. She, she wins again, fourth time this year. Yeah, she's she's incredible. And, and I mean, is it four, four wins? Is it three and a half? Yeah, one of the wins is a, is a four-team tournament, but I, I, I'll, it counts. I'll give it to her as long as you're good. It counts. Yeah, it counts, and we know it if – they're a co-medalist or tri-medalist and they can't do a playoff. They all get wins. So uh, again, splitting hairs, Lynn Grant really even exceeding my expectations. I mean, we, we know what's there, but to, to come out again, a conference in the PAC 12 that did not play in the fall. Yeah. I mean, says a, says a lot to me. She's she's quietly putting together maybe a better season than than Pauline just in terms of the win department. Now I would say that maybe South Carolina's played a little bit tougher of a schedule, but we can't count out the team that's going to be hosting that Greyhawk here. And also, I mean, to be doing it with the with their coach, Missy Farquet, going through another cancer battle. I mean, it's it's kind of kind of one of those things that you just kind of maybe take for granted. Um, and this team is having to deal with that extra layer of adversity. And, um, you know, I, I would bet that not every day is, is, is easy for them. And it certainly isn't easy, you know, for their coach going through that and uh, to be able to, to still perform at a high level for Lynn Grant to still have not lost anybody yet this spring through four events. Uh, that, that That's pretty impressive. And it's hard to believe that they're, like 10th in the in golf stats something must be off with that <laughs> but like you, you wonder and i don't want to go down the rabbit hole of rankings of everyone saying 
and we we brought it up too that this is going to be a screwy year for lack of a better term of can we get these common opponents can we do this or is it truly going to be a almost a conference by conference ranking uh i don't want to say i refuse but i i draw a line in the sand of of going down that level of of breaking down the, the common opponents and this and that but uh, ASU is very good. You bring up some legit points there. And it's, you know, we're also at this point of the year, you talk Haskins Award, you talk Annika. And let's start with the Annika. And, and I think we have clearly talked about the two favorites in Pauline Roussin Bouchard from South Carolina, Lynn Graham from ASU. I'm not going to go bearish uh, on, on USC or USC. That's the guy that worked in Columbia, South Carolina out of college. They call themselves a real USC because they've been around longer, but we won't get into that. Pauline Roussin Bouchard, in my opinion, is the best player in college golf. If I had a vote for the Annika right now, she would be number one. Simple as that for me. Hmm. That's that's pretty good. I I I would have to agree with you, but before I before we, you know, kind of talk more about these awards, I think we were onto something with these rankings. I'm looking looking right now. It looks like the uh Pac 12 is getting kind of the short end of the stick, uh, Arizona state 10th Southern Cal 11th. I mean, they've won what twice the team that won three in a row in the spring. Arizona is, uh, is 28th UCLA 33rd, you know, and obviously UCLA and those teams probably haven't had the best spring so far, but I don't know. I think there's something there. So let's, let's kind of revisit this next pod, you know, once we get a couple more weeks and see if there's really something there, but yeah, anyways, you wonder if Monica, they're getting docked. You wonder if they're getting docked, if you will, of just simply not having enough rounds and reps, but you're right. We'll, we'll stay in yeah. tune with that, but the well, USC the is playing Georgia's event coming up. So maybe yeah. that'll help kind of connect the dots a little more. Uh, Annika, I'm, I'm, I'm Pauline. What are you thinking? If I had to vote today, Man, I it's hard to not vote for Lynn Grant because she is 4-0. But Pauline winning this week, uh, I got to go Pauline. It's close. I mean, it, this will be – and it doesn't mean others can't jump into the race, but I think these two have, have separated themselves from everyone else. I think mm-hmm. there's a clear difference. Um so I'll be intrigued. Uh, you know, it's it, it's fun to look at that. Where then you look uh, at the men's side, the Haskins Award. I mean, I think there are some leans, but um, n- no one on the men's side has done what maybe Pauline or Lynn has done in terms of dominance. And you know, maybe David Pooge from Arizona State. We saw glimpses early this spring of, especially at Pepperdine's event of, oh my goodness, this guy can go. But you know eventually you do hit the wall. <laughs> yeah, it's it's uh it's definitely more of a wide open race on the men's side and I mean Poosh looked like he was going to win every single event and obviously he's tapered off a little bit but still has four top 10s, two wins, ranked number 1 in golf weeks golf weeks rankings, 10th in golf stat. I think I think Poosh probably gets my vote right now but Michael Brennan's making an early case for freshman of the year from Wake Forest uh we talked a lot about Alex Fitzpatrick and Mark Power and uh, even even Eric Bay to a certain extent. But this freshman uh, 
it's pretty pretty dang good. Uh, two wins, T2 at the Arizona Intercollegiate, so his game travels. T5 at Florida State's event up in the Panhandle. So he's putting together a nice uh, little season too, but his win's not quite as good as, as Pooj. So I'll give Pooj my early vote. Yeah, I, again, from what we've seen, and I'm still sort of teetering, but what I think is going to be intriguing is when we get to the point of this list getting pared down, how are we going to look at teams that didn't play in the fall and players that didn't play in the fall maybe differently than teams that played in the fall and spring? Again, ultimately, they're going to all hopefully play about the same amount of tournaments. Mm -hmm. But it's something I know I'm going to contemplate if someone had a really, really good spring, but someone just had a really solid season, if that makes sense of, you know, where that separator might be. Someone might just say, wow, that was a great six weeks. But was that great six weeks going to be enough to, quote, unquote, be the player of the year? Be interesting. That's a good, that's a good question, Burko. Um, right now, there's 15 guys on the latest Haskins list. About half of them played in the fall. About half of them didn't. But when you look at, say, say you had to pare down to five right now, you're probably looking at three guys that played during the spring the spring and, and John pack, Michael Brennan, and, uh, either, uh, Pooge. well, yeah, Pooge yeah, also. Pooge, yeah. And then, and then even a, a guy like, uh, Nick Gabrielsick from a freshman from North Florida who won the sea best, uh, a couple top fours or Kieran Vincent from Liberty. I don't think they played in the fall. He's, he hasn't finished worse than 10th and four events and they've played a pretty tough schedule. So I don't know if it's going to be necessarily that, that big a deal because, you're already starting to see some of these contenders have a couple bad tournaments. So we might get to the point later this spring where everyone's got about the same number of, of quality performances, you know, about the same number of, of top tens and maybe a couple of throwaways. I mean, I don't know how you kind of judge who you're voting for, but I, I always like the season kind of going back to that, uh, Bo Hostler, John Rom year back in 2016 when Hostler edged Rom for the Haskins. A lot of people voted for Rom because, yeah, I think he caught fire late in the year, won regionals, won conference. But I looked at Bo Hostler's resume and he hadn't finished worse than eight that entire season. And something what, he about four or five times, I want to say. Yeah, yeah, and 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 he, and he still he didn't win quite as much as Rom. I think he had one fewer win, but he didn't finish worse than, worse than eighth other than an event that they only played one round and then the rest of the tournament got canceled because of weather or something like that. And he was like T 14th or T 12th or something like that. But I just like seeing all those top fives because that's what college golf is really about in terms of it being a team game and to be able to go, go out and just be that consistent 68 69 70 top five automatic and then if you play really well you win it's kind of reminds me of like what hunter stewart did at vanderbilt back in like 2015 he didn't win a whole lot but you could count on him being top five pretty much every week out of the game hunter stewart's a nine to five guy now go figure yeah well he's still in the game though he's just not playing yeah man <laughs> he was one of the best oh god he could go couldn't he mm -hmm. shows you how fickle it is uh Real quickly, midway point of the spring. Let's start with the men. Biggest surprise, biggest disappointment. I mean, you can maybe go anywhere you want. Um, 
Right, geez, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to throw Illinois. How about Illinois men, the way they started the spring? Uh, I think coming down south, LSU's event, making a statement, didn't play for 10, 11 months, again, a Big Ten team. I mean, they're jumping out to me as, okay, wow. Maybe Mike Small has figured it out once again. Yeah, I, I, I had Illinois as, as my top surprise as well, but – Another team is is Texas A&M, and I know A&M. The, the the people over there in College Station are going to be like, "What are you What are you talking about? We we knew we were going to be a top five team, but changing coaches, um, mm-hmm. you know, not not really having a consistent number one guy. I mean, I think Walker Lee was probably supposed to be that guy, but he he's arguably been maybe the fourth or fifth best player on the team so far this year. Dan Erickson stepped up. Sam Bennett. Obviously, won the Cabo Collegiate, got a PGA Tour start out of that win. It's just one of those things. I, I think because there's so many great teams in Texas, AM always gets overlooked, even when they were the number one team in the country. A, a lot of people, I think, didn't really believe that they were the best. And so this is a team that's definitely surprised me. Uh, uh, Brian Cortan's done a, done a great job kind of taking over, and they, they basically haven't skipped a beat. But I, I think I'm with you. I think Illinois is the biggest surprise so far. They've only played what a couple of events. I think they're playing a third event right now. But um, yeah, I, I, Mike Small is just continues to amaze me with what he gets out of his players. And Michael Fegels is another perfect example. This is a kid who was a pretty good junior coming out. I mean, he was an AJGA uh, All-American, I believe, maybe second or third team. But he's a Haskins award contender right now. And probably if you had to pare it down to 10, he'd still be on that list. So the Illini are impressive, not as impressive as their basketball team, but, but pretty close. Yeah. They're, they're good on the hardwood and they're pretty good on the links too. Real quickly, a surprise. Give me a good, bad, uh, either way for the ladies. Um, I, I think this is going to be a combo. Stanford on both sides has really kind of disappointed me. Um, the, the women it, haven't really played an event where, where they've really been tested against some good competition. So let's give them a little bit of time, but the men have played th- three events, uh, not including, a head to head against Santa Clara, I believe it was, but they played three events. They played down at Cabo. They finished toward the bottom. They played abandoned dunes event, which again, so kind of a weak field that they should have won and they finished middle of the pack. Carl Phillips, no top 10 jet. Michael Thor Gornson, another heralded freshman, no top 10 jet. David uh, Snyder hasn't played well. Dalet Tulabayev hasn't played well. Henry Shimp, this, this is a guy who's a 50-year senior who should be leading this team, and he's played pretty poorly as well. So this is a, a team that, uh, you know, like we talk about Duke being the defending champions. They're the, def- they're the defending champions, and they don't look close to that. But – I mean, what what happened two two springs ago, Burka? <laughs> they won their they won their last five events and culminated with the NCAs, but they also had Brandon Wu and Isaiah Salinda on That's that true. team. That's a big big difference uh, from what they've got. Uh, real quickly for me, I mean, we sort of touched on it. Wake from the women, surprised we haven't seen more, and you can make the same case for Texas. Uh, you know, I know their fall roster looked different, but. God, two years ago at the Blessings, weren't they the best team in the country going in? Yeah. And, and, and I feel like they haven't really been the same since. 
Yeah, but we we finally saw them at full strength. They 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 came out and won last last Wednesday. Uh, man, time time's really flying. But Sarah Kuskova wins the individual title. Caitlin Papp's been in and out in the, you know in and out of the lineup, and she's back in. She finishes second, I believe. I got Lenny, you know, along with Kuskova. They missed the fall. They're back. So, you know, as we said with the Stanford women, maybe we give them a little bit more time. Maybe we give Texas a little bit more time to see if they can string it together. But, yeah, you're right. They've been so up and down. They're ranked outside the top 30, I believe. So that's the, they should be a top five program. And, you know, they, they need to kick it into gear pretty soon because there's kind of, kind of running out of weeks. Yeah. It'll be interesting. There's a lot of talent there in Austin. As we said, we're recording on a Monday night. We just worked Bay Hill. We just worked the players. It's spring break. Two young boys and a wife happy to have me home. So I've got family obligations as this gets released later in the week on Wednesday. Uh, but Brentley, I know we got some big tournaments that are wrapping up on Tuesday that you're going to update us on. All right, this is the addendum to College Golf Talk. Just want to make sure that you guys are getting the most up-to-date results for your listening pleasure, so let's get right into it. The Valspar Collegiate, one of the top events of the spring, year in and year out on the college golf calendar. Florida State, the number one team in the country, they get it done. They went by four over Wake Forest. Of course, the Demon Deacons do boast the individual champion. It's Alex Fitzpatrick. And of course, by winning this event, he will get a PGA Tour exemption into the Valspar Championship in just over a month over near Tampa. I always like to see these college events handing out those extra carrots to their winners because this is high level golf and a lot of the top amateurs can hold their own at the highest level on the PGA tour. We saw it a couple of weeks ago, uh, Sam Bennett from Texas A&M getting a chance to play in the Valero Texas open by winning the Cabo collegiate. Um, so always good to see. Looking at the rest of this leaderboard, a couple things jump out. Ohio State, third out of 11 teams, and, and this is a very strong field. The Buckeyes, uh, great performance, and of course, they're paced by their stud freshman, Maxwell Moldovan, who finishes co-runner-up and uh, continues a strong spring for, for him. Arizona State, fourth, a little bit disappointing for the Sun Devils, David Pooj. T26, of course, he began his spring with back-to-back -back wins. He's cooled off a bit. Keep going down to seventh place, Pepperdine. Another, you know, uh, concerning performance for the Waves, but I still think they'll be okay. Dylan Minate remains in the Haskins Award conversation with a T7 finish individually. And I hate to see it. SMU started the day with the lead. The Mustangs shoot 15 over and they drop seven spots and finish eight, 19 shots off the pace. Mac Meisner, though, T4 individually. Uh, of course, he was the first man left off the U.S. Walker Cup team. So he obviously uh, wants to show people that he can play some high level golf and probably deserve to be on that team. Moving on to our next event, the George Hannon Collegiate. In Austin, Texas home event that was created this year because of COVID 
travel restrictions for some of these teams. The host Longhorns go out and do it. They beat Oklahoma and Texas Tech by eight shots. A lot of people thought the Sooners were the best team in the country. On these two days, however, that was Texas. Pearson Cootie shoots an unbelievable 11 under to take medalist honors. Cole Hammer, T3 for the Longhorns. And Mason Nome, uh, a kid who was a AJGA All-American, lost his game, lost his swing a little bit, has rebuilt it back, and he finishes eighth for Texas. A couple of players also top 10 individually for the Longhorns, Will Thompson and Travis Vick, who you know has the talent to work his way back into that lineup. But Texas, of course, every spring we talk about this, they always seem to catch fire. Could this be the start of that? One more thing with this tournament before we go, Baylor T9. I, I don't know what's going on in Waco right now. The Bears looked very good in the fall. Of course, they won the Big 12 match play. But to start the spring, let me just run off their finishes. 7th, 11th, and of course, T9 at Texas's event this week. Mike McGraw, one of the best coaches in the country, he's going to have to do a great job in turning this team around because we're starting to run out of time. Uh, moving on to another event, Illinois. Speaking of great coaches, Mike Small's team stays undefeated. They win their third event of the spring. Of course, they didn't play in the fall. Uh, granted, it, it was the Louisiana Classics. It, it, it wasn't against a particularly stout field. The Illini shoot 41 under, win by 38. Jerry G medals, Michael Fiegel's T2 adds to his player of the year resume. And then the general hackler, NC State gets the job done there. Kudos to Coastal Carolina, by the way, selling out tickets for their event at the Dunes Club. Moving on to the women's real quick, Briars Creek Invitational host College of Charleston, beating the best of the Big Ten. Maryland was third, Ohio State fourth, Michigan State sixth, Illinois 11th. ACC's Miami, second by a shot. Victoria Hun wins by two to also give College of Charleston medalist honors. And then tied for second, a, a player who is on the Annika watch list who deserves a lot of credit, Ohio State's Annika, Sayo Manatafa. She's had a very nice start to this spring season and certainly a player to keep an eye on. So that's it for in terms of the results from Tuesday. There'll be one more tournament to keep an eye on that should be finishing up Wednesday, the Tiger Invitational in Auburn. A little bit of an Iron Bowl rivalry coming down the stretch. It looks like that'll finish up early Wednesday. So by the time you listen to this, it might already be over. But Auburn and Alabama in a battle there. All right, Burko, that's it. Another Tuesday in college golf. A couple more tournaments to finish up on Wednesday. But... I'm, I'm a little bit, uh, you know, we, we've, we've talked enough golf. Uh, why don't we talk about one of my favorite time, actually arguably my favorite time of the year, maybe just behind the masters, but March madness. I, I'm a big bracket guy. I, I don't fill out like 10 brackets. I normally do two. Um, I like it. Yeah. Two. If, if you got more than two, you're all over the place. You, you know, you pick one that maybe you think, and then you pick one that's just a little, little bit off kilter throw a couple of flyers but yeah i think once you get three four five well yeah i need this team here i need like you, you gotta yeah, be yeah. like me with south carolina women's golf you ride them <laughs> you hope you got a heater 
and, and that's it. So what, what do you, I have not filled out my bracket yet, but I've got wow. an idea. Well, I mean, it's only been out for 18 hours. That's true. I, 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 have, a, I have a five and a seven-year-old. <laughs> it was daddy and, and the boys. That yeah, I, we'll, we'll uh, check back in about seven years and see if I still fill out mine on, on <laughs> Sunday night. I, I always do one blind kind of bracket where I just go in and fill out right away. But, and then I kind of adjust it as we go. Um, but I, I didn't, admittedly, I didn't watch too much college basketball this year. The last year before the season got canceled, I had watched probably 50 games. And, uh, but somehow just didn't really watch a ton. But I, it's a lot of the same players. Obviously, Luca Garza, Iowa. Um, I know Gonzaga's really good. They haven't lost. Um, but I mean, it, is there a team, I know you haven't filled it out, but I mean, is there a team that you're kind of looking at uh, or maybe maybe your final four? I mean, have you kind of had a chance to maybe just look I, at the final four? I, I, everyone's, and I'm like you, I haven't. The most I watched this year was Michigan. My wife's a Michigan grad, great athlete there in her day. It's a day. good conference to watch. It is. The Big Ten, you talked about Illinois, Ohio State, Iowa. I mean, they had four of the top eight overall seeds, two ones, two twos. So I'm biased there. Love John Beeline. When he left to go to the NBA, I was heartbroken. I wasn't certain about Juwan Howard as a coach. They are phenomenal. But losing Isaiah Livers to a stress foot injury is how it's been labeled uh, in the Big Ten Championship. If Livers comes back and is healthy, I think Michigan can run it to the Final Four. I think they're that good. Without Livers, I've I've got some concerns, although they hung in against Ohio State in the Big Ten semi. So I'm going to be a, a homer for my better half. Uh, and they're fun. Hey, we got engaged on the field of the big house a decade ago. No one in the wow. stadium but us. So Michigan is important. Uh, I've not seen very little of Gonzaga. Everyone said this team is phenomenal. Baylor's very good. Uh, but there's going to be a, a four seed, a six seed that gets there. It happens every year, maybe an eight seed. Um, everyone's saying Gonzaga or the field, Gonzaga or the field. I will always take the field because I will take 63 teams over one. Even though Gonzaga is really, really good, I think there could be five, 10, 15 other teams that win. So that's sort of my overview. And if you're looking for a double-digit seed, I'm going to stay as a homer, a Jersey guy. My dad played football at Rutgers. The Scarlet Knights in the tournament for the first time in 30 years, they're going to take down the seven seed Clemson in the opening round. That's all I got. I like that. And, and honestly, Rutgers, I, I kind of playing around with them winning, you know, kind of making it to that second weekend because Houston is a team that's dealt with some, some injuries, some players leaving. Um, they were really good last year in the year before. I, I just don't know. A, a, a two seed seems kind of high. I think they're, they're a little overrated. So I do like your Rutgers. You're, you're talking about four seed, eight seed. I, I hate to break it to you, but I really like Florida State. Uh, this they is did not knock off Michigan in the Sweet 16. Oh, I have and, big concerns about that. My, my eight seed is LSU. I think LSU has, has the talent. Um, if they get high, if they can make the free throws, um, they, they got the talent too to, to beat your Wolverine. So I, Michigan's probably the number one seed that I'm most concerned about. Um, but the, the matchup that I'm most looking forward to is if it happens, Gonzaga versus Iowa. 
I just think Luca Garza is he's one of my favorite players to watch. He can shoot the threes, a big guy. He 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 kind of looks like the the older guy that is at the YMCA or LA Fitness, wherever you play your <laughs> indoor basketball. And you don't think he's very good. And then you get on the court and, and, and he puts up 25 and 12 every night. <laughs> yeah. I mean, the the guy is just he's he's un he's unbelievable. And if if we're talking about double digit seeds, I don't know. I I haven't seen them play at all, but I like Winthrop because oh they, sure the pride of the upstate of South Carolina. They, they've only lost once all year. Granted, they, they don't have a lot of quality wins. I think they kind of beat Furman by double digits. UNCG was a good win, but they're playing Villanova, who lost Colin Gillespie. Um, he's he's out for the year. And they probably should be like a more of a seven or an eight seed. So I think Winthrop can do can beat them, and then they'll get Purdue or winner of Purdue North Texas. I think they could beat Purdue, and then all of a sudden they're in the second weekend against Baylor. So Winthrop's my number twelve flyer. seed. And, and I mean that's a twelve seed. The twelve seed is 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 the uh, there's always a twelve seed that does well. It, it will happen. You can never actually put the pen to paper on a bracket, but it will happen. I think a lot of people will pick Winthrop. Now that I'm looking at it, twelve five people love that. All right. I didn't talk about my Gators. Hopefully they beat Virginia Tech. I'm not more hopeful after that. And you talked about last year, heartbroken, and we'll wrap up the pot on this. The first and second round games were in Tampa. I was going to come home from the players take the boys. I still have my four tickets in my digital wallet on my <laughs> iPhone. I can't delete them because that that's in all seriousness. That's when the world changed forever. You know, a year ago, everything was canceled for all the right reasons because of this pandemic. But it's, I always look at that once in a while. And I, and my boys were like, how oh, what's that? So those are our tickets from last year. Like, well, we're going to go this year. So well, it's, in Indiana this year. They said, well, we can just drive there. So, yes, we can, but we're not. So, <laughs> you know. are, are they allowing fans in, in, in there? That's, that's a heck of a question, too. I don't Probably think not. so, right? Yeah, you're right. So there's my uh, there's my out how, voice. How are they doing the um, – I, I should probably know this this answer, but how, how are they doing the multiple games at the same time? Are they – is it all in the same arena or a different location? Well, I know they're all in Indiana – in the Indianapolis area. Uh, and I probably should do a deeper dive on it, but it's, I think I want to say there's eight to 12 arenas, gyms. Mm-hmm. I mean, cause you're right. Who cares what size these gyms are? If there's not going to be crowds or big crowds. Are they going to play, play in like a middle school gym? You think one of the, well, I, I think, I think we can <laughs> find eight, eight collegiate venues. Yeah. I, all I know is they're all within that Indianapolis bubble and let's hope everyone stays healthy. Yeah. Uh, it, it'll be a lot of fun. And there's our March madness and we can reassess in two weeks and the next pod. And see, uh, I'm getting married in two flying. weeks, Berko. You're going on vacation and I'm, I'm going on a permanent vacation. I mean, the wheels are coming off. We got to get it together. Uh, congratulations to you and your bride to be enjoy it truly is the greatest time of your life so have fun with that and uh we'll reconnect we'll keep you guys updated and uh we promise we're gonna take it to a whole nother level in april and may with the postseason so until next time for burko and brentley on college golf talk we'll see you soon